what greater way to celebrate alumni than to have alumni come and share with us? So um, we got like two questions for each after a brief introduction, um, maybe two to three minutes per response, if you don't mind. I'm going to wrap it all up with a thought here at the end, but thank you all for being here. Um, so let's start with you. We're just doing name. Tell us what years you were here and what you are currently doing in life. Uh, I am Grant um, Gardner. I was here from 2016 to 2020. What was the second part? Um, <laughs> what are you up to now? Uh, well, I am a middle school minister for a church in town, Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. So I know a lot of you, but yes, a recent. Are you dating anyone in the room? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to say it. I'm sorry. No, we'll move on to April. Uh, <laughs> Malia's boyfriend. Malia's boyfriend. I had to say it. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> sorry, Malia. <laughs> okay. okay. Hi, everybody. I'm April Harper. I was here in 2003 until 2007-ish. Stephanie, Michael, and I were actually here at the same time, overlapped like two years or so, and I am currently um, running a company called Dwell Differently. It helps people memorize the Bible one verse at a time. Uh, my name is Maddie. I was here 2014 to 2018, and I teach fourth graders here at Binford Elementary. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jesse. Uh, I was here 2010. I'm in this last picture over here in the hallway, which makes me feel old until 2014. And I'm a pastor at one of the churches here in town. Well, I'll tell you what, you can just hold on to it. Thank you. We'll start on this way and work our way down. Um, and the first question we had for you guys is simply to answer, um, when did CSF feel like home? Well, Steph did a great job of pairing me up with uh, my roommates. So if you're still doing that, Hopefully that's been all of your experience as well. Uh, and so it felt home pretty quick for me. You know, I moved in from, uh, from northern Indianapolis in my van, literally, with a couple of trash bags. And I think I, I probably scared most people. They're like, who is this guy coming in here? And uh, they welcomed me right in. It took like one minute to move me in. And um, I felt like I was at home quickly. Sweet. Uh, yeah, I would say similarly. I lived here my freshman year and sophomore year and maybe another year. Um, but So I'm from Bloomington, but it was kind of like, oh, I don't want to be close to home. So I just made it my mission to just never, ever go home or let anybody know that I was from here. Um, and my youngest sibling was like in third grade at the time, so he would like sob when they would drop me off after the holidays because he'd be like, you only come home for Thanksgiving. And as soon as they unlocked these doors, I was back. I was like the last person out and the first one in. Uh, my family's great. There's like not actually trauma there. It sounds like there is. It's, they're lovely. It was just like, I don't know, I was 18. Um, and yeah, I would say I like made a... I don't know, kind of like a commitment my first year. I was like, no, anytime you get invited to do something, you have to go. You have to say yes if you can, even if you don't want to, because my tendency can be to like not always socialize. Um, but I would say like because of that and because of, like you were saying, people here just being so welcoming. I mean, two of my like closest friends and one that I was just with tonight who lives in Indy, they just like saw me at a campfire like first month of school and they were like, hey, um, you're gonna be our friend. I was like, cool. <laughs> So, yeah, I'd say it was pretty quick. 
I feel like it was a little bit harder of a transition for me because I just loved high school so much. And it sounds like embarrassing to say that right now, but high school I felt so connected and felt like I had so many friends and I was super home there. And whenever I came to college then, it's just like you're on a bus and like literally not one person knows your name and no one's saying hi. And it's just like a really weird feeling of like anonymity. And so that was a little bit hard for me to get used to. And especially because whenever, um, well, I mean, I think what really helped though and why CSF really worked for me is I felt like very called to be here, like that God had set it all up. And it, this was like, you know, this was a really long time ago, like 2003, like we, I like woke up with an alarm to the radio I don't know if that that like it still exists, but like they're like when you'd wake up for high school with an alarm and it would go to the, a radio station, and the radio station two mornings in a row was a commercial for the CSFMs. It was the first. It was like the first year of it, and like moving from some different houses to it or whatever. It woke me up two mornings in a row and I had never heard of this before. And I, so I called this, I called the radio station and was like, what's this house or whatever. And they told me about it and I like got connected and like came in for my interview or whatever. And I always felt like, like God had woken me up and gave me this plan for college. And so when I got here, it was like, I was kind of like, I know I'm supposed to be here, even though it just is going to take me a minute to recalibrate and make new friends. But when I really felt like I was home, first of all, there's two things. One, we used to have this cook named Shirley, and she would say, if I know your name, I'll call you by your name. If I don't know your name, I'll call you baby. And, and, I, and I would always, you know, she'd call me baby for like six months or whatever, and that actually felt homey, you know, getting called baby. But then she started calling me by my name, and it was just like, oh, she knows my name. You know, and the second thing that made me feel at home is like that first year, my roommates were, I don't know, I'm like, they were strangers when I met, when I joined, but I started doing tours for people when they would come. And one of the people that I did a tour for, her name is Erin. And sometimes, you know, when you meet someone and you're just like, oh, like they're like going to be like my real friend, not like a service friend or just like I'm helping them or this or that, but like. I feel really comfortable with them. And she then became my roommate the next year and it was sailing from there. And she still is like, she's the reason I like am with my husband. I talked to her earlier today and this has been like, how many years is that? 20 years. Yeah, I actually had a, a similar experience um, with college in that I really enjoyed high school. I really enjoyed my high school youth group in particular, I had a good small group of guys that I loved and that I hung out with. Um, and I actually, yeah, I, just, I also just didn't want to grow up. So I don't know if any of you guys <laughs> can relate to that. Um, but I was just like, I don't want to be in college. And then um, I actually had my best friend in high school. We had plans to room together just in a dorm um, and it didn't work out. There was like a glitch in the system two months before school was going to start. And so I was with just a random roommate and I was yeah I was like I do not want this this isn't my plan the one thing I thought I had control over um, I don't and so my mom was like why don't you just go check out the CSF house 
And at this point, I was like, I'm not listening to anything you say. <laughs> but I went and checked out the CSF house, um, and I just I felt like God was calling me to be there. Um, and so uh, I went, and I didn't really know what to expect. Um, for me, all of those things considered, it wasn't easy. A lot of my closest friends from that small group in high school were actually going to school in Colorado. Um, and so I felt pretty alone here. And so I remember specifically the first two weeks, it was really just hard with the adjustment. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think I specifically remember like crying in this bathroom down here. So I was on the first floor and I was just like, God, I feel so alone and like I don't have anybody and all my friends are hundreds of miles away. Um, and that very night, um, my roommate invited me to watch a, like, I think it was just like a comedy special on Netflix with them. Um, and we just really connected from there. And then we quoted it for the rest of the semester. And everyone got super annoyed. And it was great. <laughs> and we were wild and crazy. And uh, they accepted me, even though I was just not in a good spot and didn't really want to be that real with people. So, second question is, how did being a part of CSF help shape your relationship with Jesus Christ and impact your life after college? Kind of two questions in one, but how did this ministry help shape your relationship with Jesus Christ and impact your life after college? Yeah, so with all of those things going on, I was very closed off to people. Um, I just kind of mostly masked a lot of what was going on with just being silly and goofy um, and not really being serious with people um, and I kind of avoided a lot of the responsibilities of school and other things because I just was yeah just not in a great place um, and so through that people at the CSF house um, specifically um, juniors and seniors um, spoke into me and even the staff at, at CSF and people um, were able to kind of bring vulnerability out of me um, and just kind of speak into my life and love me despite myself not being vulnerable. And I remember specifically um, really just being captured one night by Romans 5.8 and God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I just remember feeling very impacted by that, that throughout a lot of my life, and I love like the theme this year, like know Jesus, not just about Jesus. Like so much of my life I had known about Jesus and I had known the stories and the things in my head, but I hadn't taken time to actually like feel the relationship and know like who he is truly. I just knew things about him. Um, and so that was when it kind of connected in my heart. And I was like, wow, like I've been running this whole time and even while I was running, like, Jesus put the cross on his back, and he went and died for my sins. Um, and I just, yeah, I felt that, that strength, like, I am Barabbas. I am the one that should have been in his place, but I was set free. And that was really impactful for me and my story. And so I got baptized, um, and then through the work of the Holy Spirit and other people at CSF, they invested in me, um, and I grew in leadership. Um, and the Spirit, you know, sanctified me, refined me, um, and I felt my call to ministry. And so, 
that's why I'm doing what I do now, and I found my passion for students, um, and it's just been incredible, but would not have happened had it not been for the people at CSF and just the work that God was doing through them. That's why I hired them at Sherwood Oaks. <laughs> Second best hire I ever made, Haley. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a tie. It's a tie. If I really summed it up in one word, it'd be faithfulness. And when you're a college student, you guys all know everything feels like very short term or like you're waiting for this other thing, this bigger thing that's going to happen. And I will just warn you, I cry when I'm not pregnant and I'm super pregnant. So <laughs> if I start, it's just, just roll with me. But, there, <laughs> but the faithfulness is really what I would want to key in on because there are so many things that you are given right now that God is giving you like a direction even in the smallest little minute. And there are some things back from the, the period of time at the CSF House that I know that the reason why I'm able now to make really hard decisions or what feels like jumping off a cliff, responsibility-wise or career-wise, um, those things are easy almost to make because I know, uh, I know what he has done for me in the past. So I'm going to just share a couple little stories, and I hope I'm going to try to go on speed version. I did this on, I said speed, and I'm going to try it on speed talking. So because I feel like it needs an example, but like in college, um, you know, there were these times where, you know, I grew up without very much money. I grew up like, you know, 21st century scholar. I was on free lunch. I don't know if any of that rings a bell to anybody, but I did not have, like my parents absolutely loved me, but I did not have a lot of resources, but I had a lot of things I wanted to do. And um, like the ability to like get a scholarship for different things. And like, I was also not the smartest person ever. I will just say, and I mean, I'm still not. So it's like scholarships like that were not really my thing, but scholarships in like the, I'll work for this, or um, those were my thing. And um, what I didn't have in my brain power, I did have in gusto. And when you take that, those risks though, you can see God working through you. So one, Semester at sea, I was in the end of my college time and I had met this person who told me about semester at sea. And they were, it's like this thing, it was through the University of Virginia, you're on a boat for four months, it's really expensive. It actually cost $16,000 to go in. And I had like $4 to go, okay? And, but I knew I need to go on this thing, okay? Well, I start out, by like answering, this is also going to really age me, but answering like I was looking in the actual newspaper for jobs. And I found a job in the newspaper that was nine hours a week for $13 an hour of babysitting. I was like, that is so much money. I am going to start there. So I had $13 an hour and I started with this family nannying them nine hours a week. And then this is the beginning of the summer. Well, if you do math, you would know that if you had all the hours in the day to work, that actually will not add up to $16,000 by the end of the summer. And I needed $16,000. I had $1,000 from my grandmother passing away. It was her inher my inheritance. I put down a $1,000 deposit for this thing. 
and I had three months now to get the 15,000. Well, I started out, you know, doing the 13, 13 hour an hour and all this, and then second week, it was 20 hours. The third week, it was 40 hours. The fifth week, I moved in and was doing 24-hour shifts around the night with these two-month-old twins all night long, double feedings and all this. The end of the summer, guess how much money I had? $15,000. <laughs> exactly. Okay? I went on that semester at Sea thing. I... I was probably the most thankful person on that boat. And I told everybody about Jesus. And I told everybody, I mean, I led Bible studies on that thing. And I just I was absolutely captivated by this beautiful world that I had gotten the chance to experience. And I came home to like absolute devastation in my family, a million, everything was falling apart. And it, I knew then, oh, God was preparing me for this. Well, now as an adult, I have all these other things like way harder decisions, you know, and way bigger things that feel like, how would you just put a thousand dollars down when you have nothing to rely on? But I know that that trip and that whole experience was one that just like built me up to make these other harder decisions later. And now it's just, it's just how we roll. It's how my husband rolls. He's had a million of those stories too. It makes life really fun, but it's the, it's taking the small thing that you've been given and just going with it. Like, going and talking to that person, joining that thing or whatever that feels like super uncomfortable, and then he shows up for you every time. Much like less dramatic, but similar vein of like just God continuing to show up. And um, I think for me, a lot of the ways that it was my relationship with Jesus and just my faith in general after college was impacted was in uh, the opportunities and the people that were just like constantly presented during college. Like you're just like in this like weird little niche space that like nothing else in real life is actually like. And there are just literally thousands of people around you that are like the same age. And then to find like a place where you have people that are super unlike you, but like all at least to some degree claiming an interest or faith or something in this God that we, whether, like, whatever degree of trust that is. Um, and so I just felt like, for me, a lot of it was the opportunities that, I mean, there were just, like, abundant, whether it was uh, being in a small group or a Bible study or being asked to lead something or um, to be a part of some, like, intramural team and just the way that you got to um, connect with people all the time. And then I would also say, too, um, even just in, like, service, like, service within the community I think like the house was a place where I was encouraged to do that like to look like beyond just yourself and your roommate in your dorm um, but also specifically like probably from living in the house I felt more of a responsibility to be like a part of what they were doing like I think it's sometimes my natural inclination can be oh yeah like I love going to church I'm involved in my church and whatever but I'm so busy with all these other things, I can just kind of show up on Sunday and be like the passive receiver and okay, that was great. And like invite somebody to church, but like not always um, being like a super active part of the body, especially when you have all these other things going on or you feel like you do. And I think in college and at CSF, it was kind of like a, no, like you live here, like, like you, we are this, like you have to help like we're going to make the coffee and we're going to bring people in and um, 
even just like you like I would come in and I'd be like obviously like you want to like meet your friends and catch up with people you haven't seen and I would be like okay I'm gonna talk to somebody that I don't recognize every single week and like trying to be like like force connection and like be like okay we're gonna be fake enthusiastic for like a minute but in like not like a super disingenuous way but just it's like my my natural inclination is to sit in the back row and sit by people that I know or be polite um, so I think that it was good in that because I think that has really translated to my real life um, I mean a as a teacher like not oh I'm allowed to have bad days but like I have to be very dramatic about it like no I did not get Taylor Swift tickets yes I'm wearing all black please don't talk to me for at least 30 minutes and be nice to me today um, but you have to be like very clear that like, you not read the room um, or as an adult, it just takes so much more time to make friends because everybody is at work all the time. So believe it or not, you don't always make friends there while you're doing your job. Um, so being like a connector, like, okay, I'm going to like force fun. Um, so I, yeah, I, but then people like it. They'll act like they don't. Everybody, everybody just thinks everybody else is too busy and they're really not. Um, so I think that some of that, I definitely like got through CSF because I had, Again, like Grant was saying, people that were older than me, like juniors and seniors that were like, hey, like step up. Um, so that would be a takeaway for me, I think. Sweet, that's all good stuff. Uh, I'll try to be quick. Um, for me, I think it offered me, two words that come to mind would be like, it offered me this space <coughs> to really develop community with other believers and develop rhythms of what it means to really follow Jesus. Because I was somebody who, I grew up in, I have no qualms with my upbringing at all. I was so blessed and had great parents, but admittedly, I was kind of a fool in high school a lot, and I kind of have a different story where I didn't, I didn't go off the rails in college, but my senior year was really tough in high school, and so I was like, all right, something's happening here, and the Lord is calling me to something a little different. So I came to CSF on a, a coin flip, kind of. Honestly, it was between here and Purdue, it's a, you know, come on, easy coin flip for me. No matter what, it was heads both ways. But um, I also came with a girlfriend, and just really quickly, I realized that following Jesus is so much more than just kind of something I tack on on a Sunday morning or something uh, so much more than I just say I believe these things. But what CSF allowed me to do was have some space to actually uh, grow in my relationship with other believers and see that, hey, you know, Christians... Um, can be cool and we can have a lot of fun and um, some of the distractions that were really pulling me away in my younger years um, I, I was able to not have to deal with as much um, but then quickly that changed where I realized okay well that doesn't mean I get to hide away and so how it kind of impacted me after college was I ironically met um, some people here that were part of a church plant and so I'm still in town uh, just walking in community with those folks as well and really seeking to um, you know just engage this city with the good news of Jesus and so uh, to sum it all up this place gave me an opportunity to be and build actual not to use buzzwords but intentional community and intentional rhythms of like following Jesus is so much more than just something I say I do but there's you know there's opportunity to worship here on Thursday evenings um, at 8 p.m., which I forgot how late that feels to uh, old people. Um, and you have opportunities to uh, build really good relationships. Um, all of my 
groomsmen were from CSF, uh, except for my brothers. And, well, they both actually lived at CSF for a little bit too. So, um, I met my wife here. Uh, now, don't come in here thinking that's going to happen necessarily, or your husband. It's, it, it might, and that's God's grace. But, uh, and, um, so that's another way that it impacted my life after college. Uh, yeah, so just, just really don't, you know, don't, don't take for granted the time that you have, um, because the Lord has you here for a reason, and uh, it's not just to get a degree. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much, all of you. A lot of wisdom, a lot of power behind those stories. So can we give it up for our awesome alumni? Oh, you guys, I'll take that. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks, guys. All right. Well, guys, I, I felt convicted. Um, in kind of closing out tonight, I'm going to end with one final thought, kind of one challenge. Uh, this is for all of us, um, and it's regarding community, um, but not just community here at CSF. Uh, this ultimately applies to every form of community that you'll be a part of throughout your entire life, okay? So, this is going to be super quick. Um, I'm going to start off with a story. Um, and this is a true story from my own life. I was a youth minister for several years. Um, and there was a student from my very first youth group. Um, I had kind of lost contact with them for quite a while. Um, but here, probably about three years ago, this girl reached back out to me. And um, she, she wanted to meet because she was just going through a ton of really hard stuff. Um, in her life. And so she asked me to meet. We were able to catch up. Um, and then we kind of created a pattern where we catch up probably about once every four to five months. And um, if she was here, she would be the first to tell you that her faith is pretty much non-existent. Um, she would probably stand up here and tell you that she probably doesn't believe in God right now. Um, I do believe in God, okay, and so that shapes how I approach my conversations with her, but she, she understands that, and we have a close enough relationship, um, she trusts me enough to where she still wants to have those conversations. We have good conversations because we have a mutual respect for the fact that we each have our own freedom to choose what we believe. Um, in one of our conversations, in fact, I think it was the very first conversation we had, um, I don't think she was wanting to talk about God, um, but she was telling me about her current group of friends. She was telling me about her current group of friends, and at one point in the conversation, I asked her, I said, hey, would you care if I ever came and hung out with you and your group of friends one night? And she was like, oh, no, no, no. She said, Ben, you wouldn't like that. And I said, well, how come? And she said, well, we basically just gather and we get drunk and we get high together. And I said, okay, thanks for the honesty. Um, I wouldn't participate in that part, but I, I'd still love to get to know your friends, truthfully. I'd love to get to know your friends, and quite honestly, I'd love to get their thoughts on God. And she was like, whoa, mm -mm. She was like, sorry, none of us are interested in God. And I said, why not? I guarantee you, I told her, I said, I guarantee you, you are closer to him than you think. And she, she rolled her eyes at me and she said, yeah, right. And so I asked her a question. I said, hey, when it comes to your group of friends, is the most important thing the fact 
that you guys get drunk and that you get high? Is that kind of the best part? And she said, oh, no. No, not at all. I, more than anything, she said, I think we just like being together. And I said, ah, I told you. And she said, well, you told me what? And I said, I told you you're closer to God than you think. And she was like, what are you talking about? And I said, being with your friends is the most important part, right? I said, you like the community aspect. And she said, well, yeah, absolutely. I said, okay. I said, community comes from God. It's just one of the many gifts God has given us. I told her, I was honest with her. I said, hey, I think you're misusing it. I think you're using it in an incredibly wrong way. Nevertheless, community is a gift from God. And it's something that he's allowing you to take advantage of. And once again, I can't control what she believes, um, but I think that her desire for community reveals that she's much closer to God than she realizes. We ended up having a great conversation. I love her. still see her quite frequently. Uh, The reason I shared that story, though, um, is one, community is something we all want. Maybe we've been isolated or treated poorly enough we can convince or try to convince ourselves we don't, but bottom line is I believe in the heart of hearts. Guys, community is something we all want, desire, and long for. We were created for it. Ultimately, we were created from it, which we'll talk about in a second. Two, second thing, whether we realize it or not, first of all, community is something we all want. Secondly, whether you realize it or not or want to admit it or not, community is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. But just like my friend who I told you about, desiring community doesn't mean you're gonna realize its true form or where it comes from. Okay, which brings me to my third point. Community isn't just a gift or idea from God. Community is literally who God is. Okay, I was on vacation last week. Got to go to Florida with my family. It was great. And on the drive down to Florida, I had made a commitment. I wanted to try and memorize the chapter, um, John chapter 17, or I wanted to memorize it as much as I could on the way down. And just so you know, in John chapter 17, Jesus has this incredibly intimate prayer, this incredibly intimate and personal relation or conversation with his father in heaven. That's what John chapter 17 is about. I encourage you to go read all of it. We're not going to do that tonight. I want to share with you three verses, right? And use your imagination, use your imagination and pretend you're a disciple and you're sitting here, Jesus is right in front of you and yet he's not actually present with you because he is so connected to someone else. Someone that you might not know, but like you're like, whoever he's talking to, he's real, So Jesus is sitting there. So real quick, verses four through five and then 24. It says, Jesus looked up to heaven and he said, Father, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And then Jesus said, Father, bring me into the glory we shared. I need you to catch this. I underlined it, okay? Bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Then a little farther down, verse 24, he says, Father, I want these whom you have given me, which I don't know where you're at with Jesus, but I'm hoping this is you. He says, Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can, they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me. When? 
before the world began. So in closing, we all want community, but I challenge you to ask yourself this true question, okay? Do we want it for what it really is? Because what I just read to you, guys, that is the true origin of community. I hope you noticed the emphasis on how Jesus talks about before the world began. He references it twice in the three verses I shared, but read the chapter because the entire chapter, it's what it's about. Before the world began, I think Jesus is trying to tell us, hey, before this world ever existed, before humanity was created, community was already a thing. Because community in its purest form or the true origin, community for what it really is, is the family of the one true God. God the Father, his son Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. That is true community. And if the communities we create and participate in in this world, if they're not connected to that true community, if they're not connected to the one true God, guys, I promise you, it's a matter of time before that community crumbles. I'm not trying to pick on my friend, but that friend I told you about, guess what? She doesn't hang out with that group anymore. She's moved on to a new group. And I'm close with her. I haven't divulged her name, so I can share this. Guys, she's miserable. Internally, she is truly miserable. So if our communities aren't being built on the transformational power and living presence of Jesus Christ, who is the source of community, guys, our communities will end up being incredibly unsatisfying. They will let you down in multiple ways. And ultimately, they will fail you altogether. And so my prayer for CSF, my prayer for our alumni, my prayer for our current students, our future students, for myself, our staff, our board of directors, my prayer for you and for all of us is that we will have the humility to realize that the community we were created for is the community we were created from. And that is the personal presence of the one true God. And if we have the humility to want that, the result should be a pursuit and a surrender of Jesus Christ as our highest priority. And so that is what I'm wanting to happen here at CSF and in your lives and for our alumni, the communities that God has put you in charge of. And so um, the band's coming up. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray for this as they come up. Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you for what it represented. Thank you for Grant and April and Maddie and Jesse. Thank you for their faith and God, how you are using them. Help us be wise and humble enough to realize their life was not limited to just CSF. Obviously, there is so much more because God, you are bigger than this place, but you wanna use this place. And I ask whether it's CSF or just wherever it is, I pray for true communities to start infiltrating this world. And that will be when students and leaders and people step up and say, hey, if Jesus is not the highest pursuit of our community, we will fail each other miserably. Because joy, love, purpose, fulfillment, all those things we want for or that we're looking for and that our souls long for, God, if we're not getting those things from you, then that means we're creating those versions of things and it just, look at the world, it ends up nasty. So Jesus, be the source of true community. Well, you are the source of true community. I pray that you're the source of our community here at CSF and in the lives of all these awesome people. In Jesus, it's in your name we pray, amen.